Well, good Victory Monday to you, everyone. Been looking forward to this all day. With DeMarco, I'm JB. And anytime you can tell your team, see you Wednesday uh, in the postgame <laughs> locker room, that has to be satisfying. You've been a part of a few of those, DeMarco? I, I want to put that on a T-shirt, make like a, a, a Christmas card, you know, see you Wednesday. That's the best, what, three words you can ever say to a football team, you know? That means you played well. That means everybody's happy. That means go get off your feet. You have earned it. I mean, that's... Only good teams get that. That's what you want to hear from your head coach. Doesn't it also mean you're playing Monday Night Football the next week and you have an extra day to well, give? It's now you ruined it. See, <laughs> I thought I earned it. You know, extra helping to mash potatoes. But yeah, I mean, I mean, get that extra day, get off your feet, relax a little bit, enjoy it. I mean, enjoy what people are saying about you uh, because it can flip. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. think about what they said last week versus this week. But uh, that was a job well done. Anytime you can beat your division rival at mm-hmm. home, that's a big deal. Twenty-three sixteen over Seattle. It is the first NFC. West victory for the Los Angeles Rams. It takes them to 6-3. It improves not only their NFC playoff standing, but it puts them in a three-way tie atop the NFC West because Kyler did something remarkable while we were calling the final two minutes of our game to Marco. Ridiculous. Ridiculous Hail Mary. I mean... What was Bill O'Brien thinking? I mean, did, did letting Nuke out of Houston? Let him, letting him go. Did he not think the guy was? Did he think he was done? I mean, that's that's a dangerous weapon for an already dangerous weapon in Kyler Murray to have down there. So this is going to be fun, but. Uh, just getting past Seattle number one was great. It sets you up for a, for almost everything that you want to do as a football team. First, win the division, and then you know clinch the best playoff spot you can do. Uh, and you also, like you said, you, you beat a team that most people thought would be in the Super Bowl. So that's got to give you a confidence boost mm-hmm. as well. You know, speaking of Hopkins, I can't help but now look forward to that matchup after seeing what Jalen Ramsey did to DK Metcalf yesterday at SoFi Stadium. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, because when they lined up the first time on defense, they started with Aaron Donald at left end, and they let Jalen Ramsey like kind of line up different places. So they gave Russell Wilson a different look. Oh, he's not going to be on mm-hmm. DK. And then the next series, boom, he's all over him. You know what I mean? This is what we're going to do. So they, they gave you a different look, tested you out, and then gave you the look that they were going to you know lock you down with. I mean, just my goodness. That was... That was a hell of a battle. I mean, the pressure was there. It made Russell kind of skittish, but... I mean, there was no daylight between those two. The Coach McVay Show is brought to you by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Let's bring in the head coach of your 6-3 and three Los Angeles Rams. Good evening, Sean, and congratulations on a very important victory at SoFi Stadium yesterday. Yeah, no, the guys did a great job. I appreciate it. Good to be with you guys, JB and DeMarco. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for our players. And, and now uh, on to the next one with a great challenge with the Bucks. You know, I, I'm fist pumping. I'm happy. But I got to ask, how's my man with? I mean that that hurt. That's my guy. I mean, how's he doing? Yeah. How's he feeling? He's doing okay. He's uh, you know he's one of the few people in the world that I think would turn a, a setback like that into a positive. Look, he's you know he's saying I'm excited about being able to lead from a different uh, perspective. But he'll uh, it'll be a guy we'll place on IR. Um, you know, and, and different than years past. You know, he might be able to return with us. You know, he got an ACL or not an ACL. He got an MCL and a PCL, grade three strain. Um, you know, which is fortunate considering what we thought it might be initially and uh the the projection is anywhere between six and eight weeks but i i would just say you know you never know what this guy is going to attack his rehab and i wouldn't be shocked if he's ready uh you know sooner than later 
Don't know if it was the same for you on the sideline, but upstairs you couldn't help but have that thought flash through your mind that coming up on his 39th birthday, is this how it's going to come to an end? Did you allow yourself to think down those lines as he took handshakes from Dwayne Brown and Russell Wilson and all of his teammates? You know, I didn't. I, I didn't because, uh, you know, you just never you never want to rule uh, this guy out. He's continued to overcome setbacks and just been such a resilient part of uh, what we do and, and what he means to us. So I, I didn't really think of it that way. I think any time that you see a player go down, uh, it just makes you sick. I was really pleased to be able to hear that uh, the the diagnosis was something that wasn't as bad as maybe we initially had thought. And he's going to attack the opportunity to come back this year. And, and I think, uh, you know, we'll just keep an open mind and, and he's going to still find a way to affect and influence this team in a big way. I do know that about Andrew Whitworth. No doubt. That's just the only sobering thing when you talk about Victory Monday or See You Wednesdays. Oh, yeah, you may have lost a few guys and some important guys. But, I mean, just moving forward, um, is it rude to say that you guys played better than you did down in Miami? Because it, it sure looked that way to me on offense. Yeah, no, it was it was much better. and. Uh, was really pleased with the way we came out. I thought, you know, we were efficient on third downs. And, and I think the challenge is, is a hey, never minimize and take for granted how difficult it is to win. And I was pleased with that. And now, uh, you know, a couple of those plays that I think we're capable of making, uh, want to see us be able to do that to play at the same level that, that we did really through the first two quarters and want to see us sustain that through the third and the fourth quarters. And, and I think we can. And I think that's, uh, you know, something that we're going to continue to strive for. The Seahawks had scored 27 or more points in every game of their season so far. They came in as the top-scoring team in the National Football League until they met the Rams' defense. How much more confidence do you think that one built? We've seen Brandon Staley and company do it against some offenses in the league that were productive, but maybe not as dominant as Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to this point. Yeah, we knew it was going to be uh, one of our greatest challenges that we've had up to this point. Um, I don't think it necessarily gave them more confidence. I've always had the sense that, that we're a very confident defense. The guys believe the coaches do an excellent job of uh, putting together great plans and, and stressing them throughout the course of the week. I think the preparation has been outstanding, and then the performance is, is where it all comes to fruition. And the guys have, have delivered and answered the bell week in and week out, and uh, you get another opportunity against a great explosive offense in the Bucks this week to show why, uh, why we feel like our defense is one of the best. Yeah, you know, guys like Darius Williams, you know, they come through the back door, undrafted rookie free agents. It doesn't work out for a certain team. He comes here, he works his way up to the starting lineup, and now look at him. I mean, the guy is a playmaker. Uh, if you had to give someone credit for his performance, is it coaching? Is it just him? Is it just opportunity? What do you think it is with Darius Williams? I think it's all of the above. You know, I think Darius, he came in here, you could see he's got great ability. Uh, he's done an outstanding job. I think, you know, the relationship that he's developed with Aubrey Pleasant, I think Aubrey's a great young, co a great coach for us that does a great job with those DBs. And um, I think both those two have, have really worked out a great relationship. But Darius is a guy that when you're given the opportunity, he showed up in a big way. I don't think anybody in this building is surprised by what he's done. Uh, he's made a huge impact. And I think all four of his interceptions that he's had this year have been instrumental plays uh, all leading to victories. 
Darius Williams, a couple picks, a touchdown saving PBU, working against Lockett late as well. That was impressive. And then across the field, of course, there was a big old blanket that Jalen Ramsey threw across that Seattle offense. Uh, 44 coverage snaps. He was targeted twice. He was quick to point out those were uh, zone targets, I guess. Um, but when you traded for this young man, could you have envisioned a better uh, a better case than this, than what he put on display against Seattle? I think, uh, you know, I, I think he's played really well through the whole year, JB. And, and the thing I think that's so special about Jalen is it's a game that you think he, you know, needs to be traveling and playing more outside to affect and influence it when you've got great players like a Metcalf and a Lockett. He can do that. But you've also seen his ability to affect the game, uh, being able to play the nickel spot. And he's just a great football player. Um, you know, he's not exclusive to just a special shutdown corner. This guy's a great football player that can do everything. And uh, I think his, his smarts, his understanding, his big picture understanding of the defense and then the coach's creativity and how to utilize and allow him to affect and influence the game week in and week out in different ways is what makes it special, and, and that's what he's done when you look at the first nine games. I know Coach can't say it, but I, I watched the entire game from like right behind you. He, he put Metcalf on the bench. That dude was frustrated. Uh, wait, <laughs> did you say that all of Darius Williams' picks led to wins? So every one of yeah, his I mean, all, interceptions led to victories for you. Well, all of his interceptions came in victories, but I thought they were at instrumental parts in the game. Oh. So you look at his pick against the Eagles. We were up 21-16 at the time. They were going in, had good field position. He makes an interception in the end zone, and that kind of flipped the narrative, and then we were able to roll from there. Get the game closer against the Giants, and then both those picks yesterday. So uh, three of our six wins, he made monumental plays to affect the outcome of the game and when those picks occurred is kind of what I was saying. I hope his agent's listening. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, I Restrict, hope so too. Restricted free agent, fingers crossed. Uh, it's easy to say halftime adjustments and kind of just point to everything that that side of the football has done after the halftime locker room. But really yesterday and some other instances this season, it's been even after like the first drive adjustments. Like I, I love the way that they responded to that first scoring drive from Seattle yesterday. It's more than just the third and fourth quarters for this defense, isn't it? It is. You know, they, they've... Uh... They played great ball throughout. You know, I think you can isolate a bunch of different numbers, whatever, but this this is a defense that I'm very pleased with. I, I'm, I'm proud to be associated with it. They've been uh, a huge part of how we've been able to, to win all of our games, and they're going to continue to be a big part. And in a lot of ways, I, I just uh, – I'm loving everything about what they're doing. I know we talked a little bit about Andrew Whitworth's injury. Uh, the win did come at a price in some other spots as well. It sounds like Taylor Rapp is heading towards injured reserve as well as kicker Kai Forbath. Can you give us the latest there, Sean? Yeah, so, you know, Taylor had a little knee injury. Uh, it's unfortunate because I thought he was playing really well. And, and to be able to get him uh, playing at such a high level, get Jordan Fuller back in the lineup, and then being able to have some different things that – you can get he and uh, J.J. and Jordan Fuller on the field and on the grass at the same time is something that benefits us. But uh, he'll attack his rehab. We'll look forward to the opportunity to get him back at some point later on in this season. And, uh, you know, it's it's a setback, but uh, these guys will do a great job of giving themselves an opportunity to come and, and contribute in a big way. As we continue tonight on the Coach McVay Show, we'll ask where the Rams go next at kicker. But just to summarize the injury front, it seems like no surgeries and no one for sure done for 2020. Is that the overarching takeaway? That is. You know, that's that's where we're at right now, JB. That's a real positive. Um, you know, it's been unfortunate when you just look around the landscape of the league, how many people have gotten injured. It's always uh, the thing I hate the most about it, whether it's our guys or the opposing players. And 
um, you know, fortunately it wasn't as bad as it maybe could have been. And, and uh, like I said, that's that's a positive and an unfortunate situation. All right, the Rams are now atop the division standings. Part of the three-way tie at 6-3. and three. Coming up next, in what areas was quarterback Jared Goff improved from the last time we saw him? That's coming up next on 710 ESPN. Uh, downtown Los Angeles, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, heading back to Tampa Bay for Monday Night Football, a rematch with the Bucks. Uh, Sean, we teased speaking a little bit about Jared Goff coming up in our segment here. I wonder um, what you made of his bounce-back performance coming off of the bye. All right, we'll try and get Sean McVay back on the line. Why don't I pose the same question to you, DeMarco? After 14 days away, look, say this about Jared. I've been following his career since he was a collegiate at Cal. He gets knocked down, and he responds by getting up time and time again. He's done it as a Ram. He did it again here at the midway point of the 2020 season. Oh, I, I, and... and literally and figuratively definitely I mean he's a guy that when he gets tattooed in the pocket I mean he doesn't stay on the ground long he doesn't show you much like we were just watching Nick Foles on TV when Nick Foles is banged up or he hurts something he's going to tell the world Hmm. you know he gives you that bad body language Jared Goff isn't that guy I respect that about him but you know every now and then it's it's not going to look good with Jared there's going to there's going to be a defense that has his number Uh, but you're right Uh, the next time out he's going to be better um it's it's been that way since Sean McFay came here. If there's a bad outing, the next outing is going to be pretty darn good. So, this is the Jared Goff I like the best. The one where he doesn't have the ball very long. Hmm. It's snap gone, snap gone. Good decision gone. You know what I mean? Make well, the defense chase the ball, not him. To that exact point, I actually like the Rams losing the coin toss because after two weeks away, I wanted them to have the football first and for Jared to have that opportunity. And then I love the design by McFay and the Rams to get those early completions. One to Cup, another to Woods, in part to get Jared in rhythm, to get ahead of the sticks, but also to signal to Seattle, look, if you want to try and bring this blueprint back, we're ready for it. We've prepared. No doubt. And uh, look, Tyler Higby was Tyler Higby uh, out running routes. I mean, he was letter-perfect on routes, and Jared hit him in stride a few times. Uh, and J- uh, Josh Reynolds, I mean, we thought that this was a guy that could be that guy you just saw yesterday, a big body that could really make you pay for one-on-one coverage and, and make some nice grabs. So as long as Jared Goff gets the ball out of his hands and you get good protection and you have guys that can get open and there's different varieties of guys that can hurt you in this offense. I mean, look, uh, it, it seems like they can at some point at various points in that game, it seemed like the Rams could do exactly what they wanted when they wanted mm. against Seattle. That big ball to Higby. I think it was third and four. Oh, man. And they hit it for 39. I mean, at that point in the game, you're trailing. You're trailing for the only time as it turned out in week 10. But to get that, which ultimately led to the go-ahead touchdown, it put you in a position, one, to play differently with your defense, but also to dictate to Russell Wilson. And I think that planted a seed in Russell Wilson's mind that he was going to have to get 30 or maybe 40 to beat the Rams on that day. And if you don't, if, if you punt that ball away in that first quarter, I wonder how the complexion looks different. True. Made him press, you think, huh? I mean, maybe, the, maybe a little bit. I mean, but uh, the one where Russell Wilson scrambled, where he had the easy first down in the red zone and he decided to throw it back across the field and got it picked. Yep. Okay, you are pressing, man. I mean, wow. That's uncharacteristic. Well, I mean, maybe it's what you said. Maybe he thought that, look, I got to score every time out because I don't think we'll be able to stop them on the other side. And I think that Hig- that Higby play you were talking about, wasn't that a safety that was trailing him? 
absolutely torched a, a fast, quote-unquote, faster guy down the field, and it was right on the money. Right before Adams came back yeah, from the right, Seattle locker room right. as well. Back on the Coach McVay show, here is Sean McVay, and we're just talking a little bit about the bounce-back performance from Jared Goff. And I was telling DeMarco, having followed this young man since his days at Cal, he's taken his lumps along the way, but one thing you'll never be able to take away from Jared is the way he responds to adversity, Sean. Yeah, no, it's exactly right, and he, he did a nice job yesterday. In what ways specifically do you think he was improved game to game from when we saw him last in Miami? Yeah, I thought uh, you know I thought he got a lot of get different guys involved. I thought our ability to run the football was a real big part of it, and um, you know he spread it around. He made good decisions. Um, you know, you guys mentioned I thought it was a great route by Higby on the third and four when we were trailing in the second drive, and he get a big thirty-plus yard explosive. It was a great route at the top where he set Neil and, and was able to break away. I thought that was a great ball by Jared and. You know, just made some good, consistent decisions, uh, recognized some of the different looks. And, and uh, you know, I did think that uh, some of the third down conversions, you know, the third and longer situation where he did a good job moving in the pocket and hitting Reynolds uh, was a big play. And um, there's definitely always things that we can grow from, but uh, it, was a, it was definitely a solid performance like you guys mentioned. Can't say it enough. You have a 300-yard passer and you score three rushing touchdowns. So you can't do that without Biggs up front, even when you had to replace your left tackle. Uh, you had them all blocked up. You had a hat on a hat in the run game. It seems like when they brought pressure, you had an answer, but the bigs up front really played well. Yeah, they, they, that's been uh, kind of the consistent theme throughout the course of the first nine games for Marco. Uh, was really pleased with those guys again. Uh, I thought they came out ready to go from the very first snap and set the tone and protected well. They definitely did a great job of, of being able to create some space in the run game and you know, anytime that you lose a player of Andrew's caliber, that's a big blow. But it was uh, great to see Joe get in there, get his feet wet. And especially in his first game back from uh, having him on IR when he strained his calf, you know, what seems like an eternity ago against the uh, the Eagles. And uh, I thought it was good for him to get that experience going into a great challenge against the Bucks this week. Hey, just from a football perspective, coach to player. Like D-line coaches say, if you get one-on-one with anybody, you're supposed to win. When you block it so well that the the first contact against your running back is on the corner, do you expect your running back to beat that corner? (laughs) You know what I mean? When you get the softest tackler on the field on your running back, do you expect that running back to win there? I think so. You know, we talk about being a slash runner, working edges on people. Uh, these guys get paid too, as you know. You were on the uh, that side of the ball, making a lot of uh, wreaking a lot of havoc on offenses your whole career. So, uh, it is something that we'd like to be able to do. Uh, you're still playing eleven on eleven, and if you're able to get these guys to the second and third level or out on a corner, one on one, those are matchups that you do typically feel good about, but. Um, you know, those are the things that end up being a big difference in some hidden yardage and, and being able to create and break tackles and, and create some of those explosives. That's usually where those things occur. Talked about the uh, Higby catch that led to the first touchdown. How about that next drive? Uh, Cooper Cup with an acrobatic red zone haul in that really opened the door for that Malcolm Brown touchdown on the next snap. Uh, it looked at that point like he already had the hand bandage and was maybe playing at less than 100%, but uh, that seemed to me to be one of the pivotal plays individually uh, to set the table for a win yesterday. It really was, JB. You know, and I love that you recognize all those kind of things. I mean, that's an unsung play where, you know, we're in a second and long situation. It's a, you know, it's a tough catch. And, you know, he's, he's reaching, he's breaking in and he's reaching back on a low behind him type of ball and makes a phenomenal catch to get us to a third and two. And, when you get to those situations, it opens up all the avenues for runs or passes and uh, did a great job uh, you know, on the next snap of being able to create some space and, and Malcolm scores from about eight out on a, on a uh, touchdown run. But that, that play that Cooper had was 
instrumental, and I didn't realize what a great catch it was just because of the vantage point I had yesterday during the game until I saw it later on, and I said, that's one of the greater plays of the game that, um, you know, you make those kind of plays, and, and that's uh, the difference between winning and losing, like, again, you know, a game like that, and those are the kind of plays that I, I want to see us consistently make so that we can start having 30, 35-point games to reflect you know, the positive things that we're doing in terms of efficiently moving the football, converting on third downs, and I, I know we're capable of it. I refuse to believe that we will not be uh, an offense that is more consistent in terms of our ability to operate through four quarters because I believe in our players and guys like Cooper Cup and those types of plays are the ones that I believe will consistently make uh, throughout the course of games. But as long as you're giving up less than a field goal in the second half, I mean, 23 points should do it <laughs> for the most part. It should, but if you have the expectations that I think you know I do and that we do, yeah. you know, that's not going to be – I'm not okay with that. You know, I'm not going to apologize for having high standards for our guys. I think they expect it. You never minimize and take away from the appreciation of, of winning a football game, a tough division game against a great opponent. But I know we can play better. I expect us to play better, and I refuse to believe that we won't as we move forward. I love the Robert Woods jet sweep. It didn't lead to kind of the clinching touchdown that we had all hoped necessarily. But, you know, first you kind of held off on those until the, the very moment there. And I wonder, you know, how come if you care to enlighten us on the context. But secondly, that was such a significant emotional play for your sideline that I think it necessitated a timeout to avoid the delay of game on the subsequent play. Yes, that's, uh, you know, Robert Woods is a war daddy. He is an elite competitor. I love everything that this guy represents, what he means to our football team in so many ways. And, um, you know, those are the those are the igniter type of plays. You know, he's just such a tough competitor. Uh, I do want to see us, you know, I probably got to get back out of there and I want to see us to have the ability of getting back in the huddle and moving on to the next snap because uh, those are things that could cost you uh, in the future if you don't have those timeouts at your disposal, but the great job and, and you know Robert has consistently been such a big energy boost to us and I love Robert Woods. That, that that's a hit where you check your helmet for the stick mark. You know what I mean? That's that's back to exactly playground right. ball. That's that's a hell of a shot there. Um can you do me a favor and just define war daddy. I love that. When they call you a war daddy that means you are a baller. Describe that. There you go. You just said it. I think you define it better than I could. You're a baller. You, uh, you know, you're tough, physical competitor. You bring it in every situation and scenario. Uh, you're able to bounce back from setbacks, and you just consistently produce with the opportunities that uh, that you're given. And baller is a good way. What's a war daddy? A baller. My next dog is going to be named War Daddy. I just decided right now. You know, as it's I was a pain to have two to, to have two separate names, though. You know, you got to have something that's easy to call a dog. You know, it's got to make one decision. It's War or Daddy. You can't have both. I don't know if Leonard Floyd has earned his uh, War Daddy stripes yeah. for the Rams yet, but as I watch his former team play uh, Monday Night Football, he sure had a day on Sunday at SoFi. That's been consistent for Leonard Floyd all season. I mean, you talk about another guy. He is definitely – he deserves the moniker War Daddy. Uh, he's been balling all year. He has influenced and affected the game in a variety of ways. Um, and I think he's showing the rest of this league why there was such belief going back to when Coach Staley was with him, the production that he's had in his career in Chicago, and, and now what a big impact he's made on this defense that's playing in the upper echelon of the league. I think there's more there. I think he can I raise do. the bar higher. He's This guy's awesome. He's only getting better. I think Chris Shula has done a phenomenal job with him. Uh, he's so conscientious. He plays with a relentless motor and effort every single snap. I mean, if you just watch the way this guy competes, 
how conscientious he is, how he practices, what he stands for. Uh, I love this guy. I love everything that, that uh, you know he represents, and he's another guy that's been a huge part of a great defense. You know, Sean, I'm not used to Aaron Donald, uh, his play count being in the 40s. It was still 71% of the snaps he faced yesterday. Is that any product of having Sean Robinson in the fold now or maybe something else? Yeah, you know, being able to just get him, keep him fresh throughout the course of the game. We had six defensive linemen up, so to be able to get a good rotation, Eric Henderson did a great job with that. And, you know, being able to get Sean going was a part of it. And then, uh, you know, just being able to keep our guy fresh. But uh, even though, that you know, the stats aren't, exactly reflective of what we're accustomed to 99 affected the game in a big way and um you know that's something that he always does yeah anytime you got third and long in the uh, center right guard and right tackle <laughs> all go to aaron donald and eventually that allows floyd to get home uh, his his presence exactly in that right. game was uh, was not lost on us and what about from ajon's perspective was there some rust knocked off there like can he continue to ramp it up as the weeks go on yeah, I thought he did a nice job with the opportunities. You know, you see also, you see the size. Um, you know, there's certain guys that you can just see. They've played a lot of football. They've got a great game day demeanor. I really like the look in his eye. And he's got a great demeanor and disposition. I, I really enjoy being around him. And uh, it was a real positive thing to be able to have the big fella going. And, uh, you know, definitely add some great depth to our defensive line. And he's fit in really well. And, and uh, again, you know, Coach – Kenderson and Bogardis have done a great job with that group all year. You know, that really could have been a 12-sack day. If it wasn't for Russell Wilson and his escapability, I mean, there was pressure on him. There was one drive was my favorite. It was sack, incompletion, sack, punt. I mean, and this like is, it was a gotta-have-it drive, and they were absolutely shut down on that drive. Yeah, no, they, they uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, the game plan, our players' ability to, to execute the game plan, uh, was outstanding. We got some clean looks. We were able to uh, get some guys free, even when we were sending four guys forward and being able to still play some loaded zone on the back end. And when you're able to do that, uh, you are in essence changing the math, and it's working out in our defense's favor. And it was awesome to see. The Coach McFace Show is brought to you by In and Out tonight. In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Straight ahead, we'll talk some kicking game with Sean McVay, plus a preview of the Monday Night Football trip to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. That's tonight on 710 ESPN. I think he balled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think it's start to. I think it's time to start talking about D. Will in this league um, as a household name, as a guy who can potentially be an All Pro, um, as a guy who can who should be a pro bowler. You know what I mean? Uh, He's that type of guy. That was Jalen Ramsey following a win over the Seahawks, talking about the man opposite him, Darius Williams, with another couple huge interceptions and a pass breakup in the end zone to help the Rams preserve their sixth victory. Sean, what's that like to see your star player, who's you know barely a year into this locker room, make a statement like that given the game that he played individually against DK Metcalf? You know, I'm glad you asked because that is one of my favorite parts about Jalen is what a great teammate he is. You know, for him to to take that moment to recognize somebody else, I think is a real just credit to his leadership, the influence. I've just been so impressed, especially as of late with, you know, the energy, the way that Jalen has been leading and and how powerful of a presence he is in the locker room for our team and just his play energy. But um, he does a great job. And, guy, it's awesome to, to see him give Darius the love that I think is merited and deserved. But, uh, it's a real credit to, to Jalen and, and to be able to recognize that. I think it's pretty cool, the humility and the selflessness displayed there 
uh, you know, being able to acknowledge his teammate. I, I love what Jalen's done, and I love what uh, Darius did yesterday for sure. It's it's phenomenal. It's fun to watch Jalen Ramsey do his thing, and it's it's great to watch Darius Williams make plays for what he said. This guy has a chance to be a Pro Bowler out of nowhere. That's awesome. I'm also having a great time watching Troy Hill throw his body around. Where did that come from? Say that for me one more Troy, time. Troy Hill as a blitzer. Troy Hill throwing his body around like he's a safety. I love seeing oh, yeah. that. Troy Hill is a physical player, and um, you know, don't let the size fool you. He's tough. Uh, he's a guy that's got great versatility, kind of like what we were talking about with Jalen, where he can play inside, he can play outside. He's played a lot of football for us, and he's a great close quarters tackler. And to be able to, you know, send him forward a couple times yesterday on some of those nickel pressures was very beneficial in uh, both the run and the pass. I want to circle back to the uh, Andrew Whitworth injury and what it means for the Rams moving forward. Uh, first, I just want to start by with just a pure compliment of the way that that 88-yard drive went to open the third quarter. Uh, and I know halftime came at a good time to get Nopum's, you know, kind of settled in that role. But the way you kind of mix subtly protecting him with your personnel and your play calling while also still attacking and being fearless with him stepping in for the guy who we know has, has helped bring the Rams back to contention uh, was just really nicely done, Sean. He doesn't like compliments. <laughs> I guess he never not. has. I guess not. Wow. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Hit him with the hard stuff, but compliment him and he's gone. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, when they brought Noteboom into the game, well... Yeah, so had, he, he played one snap yeah. at the end of the first half, right? And they kind of just threw that receiver screen yeah. uh, to get out of that third and long situation. And they regroup at the half and they come out, backed up at their, at their own end. You know, they start from, what, their own 12-yard line, maybe? Yeah. And they use a couple of tight ends to give Noteboom some length along that left side. They run weak, um, but they, they didn't dial it down in terms of their aggressiveness. They no. continued to throw the football downfield and trusted him, sometimes on an island, to protect Jared Goff. You know, I mean, look, I, I thought Carlos Dunlap is a guy that can give you problems. I thought when he did have his reps, I thought Boom did a great job inside out. Uh, you forced him to go the long way to get to the quarterback. So uh, that's something you can work with and uh, work towards getting better. So and remember what, what game was that um, when w- they pulled Witt out maybe that was 2018 the end of the 17 season when they arrested starters and they brought Noteboom in and the first play was a screen and it went almost uh, it almost scored and you know it's oh yeah that was against the Niners yeah like yeah good stuff so mm-hmm. I mean it it's, it's the same sort of game plan it's pretty impressive you remember that play <laughs> the touchdown the Cooks that's the one yeah he did a heck of a job blocking Big Joe showing the athleticism on a perimeter screen off of a toss crack action, springing it away for a Brandon Cooks touchdown. See, that's the one. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, I, I, I told uh, JB this earlier. I like Noteboom and guard. I bet I'm going to love him at tackle. Uh, I, you know, at some point when he does rotate out there, on a permanent basis or semi-permanent basis, I think he's going to get nothing but better at that left tackle spot. I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, and we've seen a lot of him play at that spot just based on uh, given, you know, Andrew rest days and, you know, with the amount of experience he's accumulated. So we've seen Joe get a lot of meaningful reps at that tackle spot. Um, and I think he's more than capable of filling in. You never replace a player of Andrew Whitworth's caliber and what he means to your team. But, you know, I do think with Coach Cromer's guidance and leadership, the other players, and then, you know, Andrew being able to lead and 
and help Joe fill in admirably, I think is going to be a, a positive thing. And I think Joe's going to do a nice job. I have very uh, high level of confidence in him. If there's a big picture silver lining, Coach, by the new year, you'll have a pretty good sense of whether or not your future left tackle is on the roster, won't you? I think that's a, you know, I think that's a glass half full, very positive way of looking at it. And, you know, we've always felt like the capability was there without a doubt. And, um, you know, that's definitely something that we're looking forward to seeing him deliver on the things that we, uh, you know, do have confidence in him to be able to do. You know, you're talking about the offense not quite reaching its scoring potential relative to the way they've been able to move the ball with efficiency. The the part left unsaid there was the kicking game. And I know that you feel this way, too, that you can't leave a couple of points per game out there and expect to be a team that wins its own division. With the injury to Kai Forbath, where do the Los Angeles Rams go next to try and find an answer? Yeah, I think, you know, we've got Austin McGinnis on our practice squad. We're going to sign Matt Gay, um, and, you know, and he's a guy that uh, has had some experience and he's been on the Colts practice squad. He kicked for the Bucks last year, and he's got great talent. He's a young player with some upside, played, the, you know, collegiately at Utah, and um, I'm looking forward to getting him in here and seeing what that looks like. I think Austin's done a nice job, and, you know, we'll see if we can get some stability from that position, you know, from a production standpoint and uh, continuity. You know, it is what it is. Uh, sometimes you got to overcome it and just, you know, do the best you can with it. But offensively, uh, it seems like you guys maybe have turned a corner, I guess, leaving, uh, coming back from Miami. At least there was a difference in Jared Goff's play. Uh, it, there was a difference in the speed of the offense. Is that fair to say? It seems like things were just happening a little bit cl- quicker than they were a week before. Yeah, you know, I think the Miami game, you know, are, are, it really, and we've talked about it a lot, but, you know, the Miami game boiled down to the inability to handle some of their pressure looks, you know, with poise and the execution that we expect. Uh, I like the way the guys handled it, addressed it, you move forward, and, you know, we've been able to move the ball consistently offensively up and down the field. I just want to see more points reflected, but it is about winning. Our defense has done such a good job of minimizing uh, offense's ability to score points. And so, you know, we've, we've been able to get to a 6-3 and three record. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I know we're capable of it, and I've seen it. And now it's more about just the consistent execution throughout the course of the game. It's not like you're not having success moving it and, and guys aren't doing a lot of really good things. But it is about scoring points. Um, you know, it, it's nice to move the ball, and we've been able to have good possession. I think we've run the ball efficiently, really consistently throughout the season. And then, uh, there's been times when we've thrown it well, but but overall, I think we're going to continue to strive for that consistency because I do believe that's the truest measurement of performance. And, um, you know, through nine games, we've seen what these guys are capable of, but I do believe there's more that we can get done, and, and I I'm refuse to believe that we can't get that done. Sean, we talked to you before the bye about where the rookies were at the midway point of their 2020 campaign, uh, almost to a man, whether it was Cam or Van or Terrell Lewis. Uh, it seemed like the opportunities and the execution were there. Was the uh, the week off good for that class in particular? I think it was, and then I think it was good for us as coaches to be able to reset and say, hey, we've got two guys that we think have extremely bright futures with us that we feel like are ready. Let's make sure that we continue to develop and build some packages within the game plans to ensure that they get these meaningful reps and, um, and and get them a little bit more involved because we feel like those opportunities are merited, and, and that's exactly what you'll see as we move forward uh, into the second half of the season. Coming up next, it's a Monday Night Football affair with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who did not punt yesterday. We'll get a preview from Sean McVay. Plus, I want to get his thoughts on that Kyler and Nuke Hail Mary from the desert before we're done tonight on the Coach McVay Show, 710 ESPN. 
SoFi Stadium, while Sean McVay and the Rams were busy closing out their win over the Seahawks, uh, Kyler Murray threw up a Hail Mary in the desert, and it came down in the end zone, and Nuke scored it to win it. To beat the Buffalo Bills in comeback fashion. Sean, I imagine by this point on Monday night, you had a chance to see that one a couple of times. What was your reaction? <laughs> I thought, uh, what a play by two great players. I mean, you know, obviously I'm never uh, rooting for any of our division opponents to win games, but I do love this game. Uh, I appreciate greatness, and that was a great play by two great players. I mean, for Murray to be able to even escape elude the pressure, flip his hips, make the throw. And then I didn't appreciate what a great catch it was until they really did the zoom in. When you see it's around three great DBs for the Bills, he goes up over and, you know, I did get a kick out of uh, DeAndre's press conference afterwards <laughs> saying it was a great catch by eye. <laughs> great catch by eye? Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's the stuff you don't get over as a defense, man, when stuff like that happens to you. When you do everything right and then the guy still makes a play, it's like, why, do you hate me? You know what I mean? Just one of those plays, man. Uh, well, getting ready for Tampa. Uh, what have you seen so far? Have you been able to get into the tape so far? Are you still breaking down this game? Yeah, you know, usually what today is, is reflective of DeMarco is you kind of get a jump on the opponent, usually either tomorrow morning or tonight, and um, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I've seen the Bucks just from afar, but I haven't dove into the tape. You know, you're kind of really closing up the loose ends from yesterday's game, and before you can move on to the next opponent, that's always the most important thing for us to do. So we'll do that. And then uh, usually when I end up finishing up this call with you guys is kind of what reflects uh, closing the door on the uh, previous opponent and uh, and getting ready for the next one. Well, you're going to see a Bucks defense that only allowed 35 yards after halftime and on offense scored on nine consecutive possessions. What was your reaction in the spring, though, when Tom Brady left New England for Tampa? You know, I, I just uh, – he's a great competitor. You knew that he was going to immediately – instill a belief and a, a work ethic and just, uh, you know, a, a, an overall approach that, that this guy's uh, arguably one of the greatest of all time. He's a great winner. Um, he, he just works so hard. And I think what says as much about the Bucks as anything, when you look at tough game the previous week, not in alignment with what we've seen from them really through the entire season. And the response to me shows what a mentally tough group they are uh, to play that well after I know a disappointing outing against the Saints and, that's why we know we've got to be ready to go, and they've got uh, great players on both sides. They're well-coached, and uh, we're looking forward to the, to the challenge. Not just a bad result in their previous outing, but then a seven-hour delay on their trip to Charlotte Saturday night. Did you read about that? I did see that. You know, that would be uh, – I was thinking – I can't imagine how pissed I would be if I was uh, in that same situation. There would be a lot of people that would be very uncomfortable if I had to experience that. Why, why would you be uncomfortable? I mean, you have everything brought to you. You got a TV. You can recline. It's, you know, it's just like being in the hotel room. You and I both know that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Hand him a Snickers. Who knows, man? But it is fun. I mean, it is always – it's fun to play on Sunday. Any given Sunday is always fun. But it is fun when you get to play against guys like like Tom. It puts a little bit more on the game, so to speak. I think, uh, you know, I, I think that our guys bring it every single week regardless. But, you know, you get an opportunity to play against one of the all-time greats. That's what's pretty special about uh, – this league the elite players the competition week in and week out and you know you're looking at a team that that's at seven and three they're playing they're coming off a great dominant performance and uh you know what a great op it is for us 
What would a young Sean McVay have said uh, way back in your Raymond James Tampa Bay Buccaneers days if I had told him that someday he'd be bringing in a 6-3 and three team to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers mm-hmm. with the uh, playoff <laughs> implications on the line? I'd say let's go get our seventh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are those the worst locker rooms in the NFL, by the way, inside Ray J? You know what? I, um, I think they might be. They're pretty poor. You know, I was there a couple times when we played there in the preseason uh, when I was with the Washington football team. And uh, it's, uh, it's not like SoFi Stadium. Let's put it that way. I bet your office inside SoFi is bigger than the lo- – and the home locker rooms too. Like the Bucks don't have it any better on their side. It's not uh, – you know, it, it's not the greatest situation. You know that <laughs> as well as I do from our experiences there, right? Yeah, uh, had some good days with Ndamukong Sue and Aqib Talib uh, <laughs> in there. It's crowded, let's say, post-game. Wow. No yeah, no okay. trouble with the media this year, though. I guess that's the upside is they don't let the, the media in anymore post-game. Uh, Coach, uh, this season, we uh, what show was that when you said this might be – it wasn't more fun than last year, but this is different than it was a year ago for you. What do you think you're learning as a coach this season, this well, far think, into your uh, career? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think one of the things when when we've talked about this before, Demarco, is number one, you really continue to understand the importance of it's all about the people around you. Trying to be a great delegator, be a better listener, uh, be open minded, be receptive to being honest about your self evaluation and doing a, a better job week in and week out in a key leadership role. Um, but what I would say is, especially this year, is figuring out ways to still embody and, and have the same core principles and values, but understand, you know, what's the dynamic for, for each team as every year kind of, you know, has a different narrative to be able to, you know, have the team play its best and, and identify that identity. And I think, you know, we're continuing to figure that out and find out, but I do like the makeup of this team. I love the way that they're connected. I like the way they play for one another. They support one another. And uh, I think especially in a year where a lot of the energy that you bring to these games is reflective of bringing your energy, staying connected, uh, handling the ebbs and flows in the absence of fans. And I think that's been a, a helpful thing with the veteran leadership that we do have. But, you know, I think you're just learning that you've got to always evolve, adapt, and adjust, and, and make it all about your players and the people around you. I guess from, from the outside, when, when people do talk about your team and then talk about you, especially going into the bye week after Miami, they wondered if you could do it. Could you go bad cop? Could you put a foot up somebody's butt to get this team motivated? And the way you played kind of – the way your team played turned heads. So I wonder, like you said, getting better as a coach, identifying who you are. Uh, Are you identifying who you are as a head coach at this point in your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I've always been naturally a positive, engaging guy, but I think there's an urgency in in – being demanding that is required. You know, we're we're always going to correct and, and, and coach guys up and expect a lot of them, but we're going to do it in a respectful manner. But make no mistake about it, there's an urgency at which we have to go about our ability to get those mistakes solved, execute at a high level. And, um, you know, I think that is something that, that our guys did a great job responding to. But I think it's all about clearly communicating the expectations and then being demanding and relentless in the way that we get those things done. It's another Monday Night Football primetime test for your Los Angeles Rams. Hey, going back to Hard Knocks, what got you more grief from your circle of friends? <laughs> was it the pool scene or was it doing the Monday Night Football theme over and over again? Oh, definitely the pool scene. I mean, anybody that knows me, like 
that was a blown out of proportion Monday Night Football. I mean, you know, anytime you're Mike, you make one little, you know, make one little gesture at it, and then they make it a bigger thing than what it was. It was definitely the poor judgment to take your shirt off. <laughs> hey, I heard you talking TV Rex with some of the media. By the way, they left one out. Have Have you seen any of Ted Lasso yet on Apple Plus? Say that again. Ted Lasso. Have you heard about the? T- I have not. Is that pretty good? Well, it's it's coaching themed, so oh, wow. it's a feel good kind of uplifting show. But it, it has to do with uh, a, obviously a fictional head coach who leaves college football in the United States to go coach the Premier League in the UK. So th- there's some themes uh, in there that what? might resonate I, with I, you. I feel like I might have seen a. a uh, I think I may have seen a promo for that. I might have to check it out. Have you seen it? It's it's no Friday Night Lights, but it's it's a oh. good watch. So you'd recommend it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to the, to the only head coach I get to speak with <laughs> weekly. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I love it. Well, I might have to check it out and either tell you a great suggestion or what the heck you doing wasting my time. <laughs> I would welcome it either way. I know you're not going to have time this week for it as you prepare for the Buccaneers. Have a safe trip and uh, looking forward to speaking to you next. Okay, sounds great. Thank you, guys. And for DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. This has been the Coach McFay Show on 710 ESPN.